Well, good morning, North Point. Uh, theology from the perspective of little kids is kind of fun, right? Kind of, kind of cool. They see how they see things and whatnot. The, the part that I really want you to capture in on is that last question, that, that question of how, how do you choose? How do you choose? And um, where we're going this morning, we, we are finishing a series this morning. We've been in a Y series for uh, five, six weeks, I think, and uh, trying to tackle some of the most uh, difficult why uh, questions out there and uh, just being very honest and open about what the answers to those could be. And so we've tackled those, and today we're going to finish that with a final why question. And, and to be honest, I'm, I'm trying really hard to fit today's question into a why format, but I'm not smart enough. So if you'll just forgive me, it's probably more of a how question, but I think we'll be okay. We'll probably get past that. We'll, we'll be okay with that. Um, in two weeks, we're going to start a new series, and it's called um, uh, Life Locked, and it's the idea of preventing identity theft. We're not talking about like identity theft of your finances or your bank accounts and stuff. We're talking about identity theft of who you are at your core, and especially if you're a follower of Christ. You know, we live in a world that very much wants to tell us who we are or what we should be doing or take away from us who we are or what we should be doing. And, uh, and we want to just look at, well, what is it that Jesus and who is it that Jesus says, uh, I am? Probably no better place to do that and by looking through the book of Romans. And so that's where we're going to be uh, starting in two weeks. And so we'll be uh, cruising that series off. I'm excited about it personally. We're going to be doing it downstairs with high schools and junior hires and fifth and sixth graders as well. So we'll be kind of tackling that issue across the board, the idea of identity. And up here we'll be calling it Life Locked. So this morning, though, we're going to finish this why question. And here's maybe how we'd phrase it. If you can figure out how to phrase it into a why question, then, then awesome stuff. And you can do that in your head. But here's the basic struggle with so many different religions out there how in the world could we pick just like one and then, and then how in the world can that one say that it's right because a lot of the other religions say that they're right as well that makes sense kind of sort of the question that we're trying to frame this morning maybe if i force fit it into the why thing we'd say um why are there so many religions and why do christians say they're right out of all the different religions uh, why why would you say that you know, you've been asked this question at this point. I'm, I'm absolutely convinced of it. We've had to tackle this question at some point. Maybe, maybe the way the question was asked to you, though, wasn't in a why format. Maybe it wasn't even a question. Maybe it was more a statement. Maybe you heard something somebody once said, uh, you, you, you know, really all religions are the same. You just, you just kind of, you know, take the one that fits you the most. And, and really, at the end of the day, they're all the same. Maybe that's the way you heard this question. Maybe the way the question was, was said to you, again, not in the form of a question, was, well, wait a minute, you say you're a Christian, but isn't that awfully exclusive? I mean, there's so many other religions, and at the end of the day, all roads lead to God. Maybe you've heard that question framed that way. Or, or maybe somebody has just come straight out and said, man, why in the world would you, be, would, you, would, you, would you think that or believe that when there's so many other ways that you could think or believe that are so much more, fill in the blank, better, easier, funner, I don't think it's a word, uh, whatever, right? So at some point, are, are we together on this? At some point, we have probably tackled this question. Maybe we've even asked it ourselves. I mean, I grew up in a home that was a Christian home. We went to church uh, every Sunday. I went to youth group or was drugged to youth group or whatever, every midweek, whatever it was on. Um, and and that, was, that was my experience. And I remember being a high schooler and asking the question, how do I know if this is right? There's so many other religions out there. What if, what if I just think this because I grew up in it? You been there? I mean, are we together on this? Like, how, do we, how do we know so many other religions out there? Like, how do you narrow it down 
to one. Fr- a friend of mine this morning was reminding me, and if you, if you have this bumper on your st- sticker on your car, that's, that's great. It's awesome. Love you. I don't care. But I mean, I care deeply, but I don't care. Um, if you have this bumper sticker, but I, he was reminding me that over the last couple of years, there's a bumper sticker that's become super popular out there. It says, it says coexist. And I don't, I don't entirely know all that that means, but I think it's this idea that, that really all religions are kind of the same. and just kind of coexist together. And at the end of the day, you know, we'll just hope God will figure it out somehow. So, so this is a question. This is an issue. This is a, a deal that we have to think through some because I think people are asking this. I think this is something that people and you and I have to work through, need to work through. And if we've worked through it, then we've just got some things to talk about in a marketplace that is asking this question deeply. With all the different religions out there, how do you know that this one's Right. Now, I know some people don't like the word religion, and so I'm, I'm with you on that. I don't necessarily like it either, so I'm going to do this once. When we talk about religion this morning, I hate air quotes, just so you know, but we talk about religion this morning. I know you don't maybe like that term, and, and that's okay, but we'll just kind of know what we're talking about this morning. We're talking about, we talk about Christianity. We're talking about this experience that we share together, this idea that we believe is true and that, that we worship and, and we think and we, we live in certain ways. We have a worldview that conforms to that. That's what we mean when we're saying, uh, here I go again, religion. Okay, so I know we don't like that word. That's okay. But today we'll just kind of use it to, to, to shape our terms on how we talk. So here we go. Um, h- how many different religions are there in the world today? Well, there, there's no real agreement on it. Um, a website called adherence.com says that there's a total of 4,200 religions that, according to our re- resident children theologians there, you get to pick from one of those which one fits you. 4,200 different religions. That's huge. I have a hard time wrapping my brain around that. And then, and then billions of people that adhere to one of those 4,200 different religions. A uh, different website, religioustolerance.com, says that there is a total of all major religions of the world. They put that number at 19. One, one nine. So somewhere between 19 and 4,200, apparently, is the number of all the religions that exist. Those are fairly big numbers. Even the number 19, which is a small number, but, but even that, when you begin to think about it, of 19 different religions, and then, and then Christians have the audacity to say, and, and we've, we know which one is right and true. We know the one that contains truth. If you're a stats person, you like statistics, you'll geek out for the next few seconds, and the rest of you guys just hang with me. If, if out of 19, the, the possibility of one being true, the, the, the stats on that is 5.2% that you're right. Nobody, nobody play those odds. Right? That's, a, that's a 94.8% chance that you're wrong. So even if we just use the number 19, I think I got a 90, almost 95% chance being wrong. If we use the number 4,200, I can't do the math. I'm not smart enough, but it's much smaller there, right? So what are we thinking here? How in the world can we land and say, of all the religions in the world, there's so many of them, how do we know which one's the right one? Well, here's where we start with the answer to the question. And I framed the question in a certain way. I think I framed it in the way that our culture would frame it. But in reality, that question is bogus. It's kind of a wrong question because it starts with an assumption that I don't think is true. It starts with the assumption that there really are tons of religions in the world. And I think, and I want to submit to you this morning, we'll dialogue about this a little bit, maybe monologue is a better phrase, but we'll think through this together a little bit this morning, that there really are not 4,200 religions, and there's not even 19 religions. 
Matter of fact, I'm very convinced that I know the number of religions that exist because I went through the trouble of counting them. And I'd submit that out in the world, for all of time, there have been and are currently only two. Two religions. And I can, I can wrap my head around two. It's hard for me to wrap around 19 or 4,200. But I'm not convinced there's that many. I, I think that there's two. And you don't have to believe me. That's quite all right. Because Jesus went and counted them too. And he came up with the number two. Right, let, me show you, let me show you where I think that is. In the book of Matthew, if you'd find that. We're going to look at some verses together today. Matthew chapter 7 is where we're going to start. And uh, we're going to look at this, a key passage. We're going to look at another key passage. We'll have some in the middle that I'll put on the screen just to keep us from having to turn to a bunch of them. But I'd like you to see this. I'd like you to, to see it because I think, I think Jesus is making a clear point. Matter of fact, uh, Matthew chapter 7 uh, and, and we're going to go to verse 13, but it's the end of a very uh, long talk or a sermon that Jesus gave. And Jesus was not really in the habit of giving long talks or long sermons. Matter of fact, most of his speaking was done in questions or short stories or maybe even a short statement. But there's at least one, maybe a couple places where Jesus gives this longer sermon. And this is one of those places. Matter of fact, uh, they, they call this section the Sermon on the, anybody know? Sermon on the Mount because Jesus was on a... Yeah, it's cool how they named it that, right? He was literally on the side of a, of a mountain. It's, it's like Michigan mountains, though, where they're not like mountains, mountain California mountains, but like, like more like hills, right? He's on the side of one of these things, and people have gathered to hear him, and they're, they're kind of spread out. I, I've actually stood in this place in Israel. It's a very cool site where Jesus gave this talk, and this talk that he gave that we call the Sermon on the Mount deals with all kinds of different stuff. If you look back all the way to chapter 5, he talks about um, what it looks like to live in certain ways. He deals with being what salt and light is. He talks about the place of the law. He talks about very specific issues like murder and adultery and divorce and taking oaths and the idea of revenge. And then he talks about these, these exercises of our spiritual life like fasting and, and how we store up treasures and, and worrying. And, and so he talks about all this stuff and then he ends it. And as he's driving down to the conclusion of his talk, this is what he says in verse 13. Matthew chapter 7. Jesus says this, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through that. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. Jesus describes two, I think, Religions. He says there's two. He says there's, there's a broad road, and a lot of people are on it, obviously, because it's, it's broad, and a lot of people are on it. And he says, but then there's a narrow road, and, and only a few find that road, this narrow road. And he says of this broad road, it leads to where? Destruction. And he says on this narrow road, the few that are on it, it leads to life. Broad road leads to destruction. Narrow road leads to life. There are two. And I'd submit that, in essence, Jesus is describing religion. And there are only two. There is a broad road, and on that broad road, there are upwards of 4,200 different ways of describing that. And on this narrow road, there is one way of describing that. Maybe the way that I'd, I'd illustrate this, because it makes sense in my head, is like this. Where I'm from, California. In California, there, uh, when you go to a gas station, just about every gas station in California, uh, when you go to a gas station, you have an option of how you want the gas to get in your car. There are two options. 
There's full serve and self-serve. I don't know if we have this in Michigan, or at least I haven't seen it. Maybe we do, and I just haven't seen it. Uh, maybe it's just not, you know, cost-effective anymore. I don't know. But in California, fairly popular. And self-serve, it makes some sense. You pull up to the gas pump. You get out of your car. You take your uh, debit card, and you put your debit card into the machine, and you pull your debit card out, and you return your debit card to your pocket, and then you push the button of which kind of gas that you want, and then you open the gas tank on your car, and then you take the pump handle off the machine, and you put the pump into your car and you engage the trigger and you stand there and wait for it to pump and i learned in michigan that it doesn't matter if it's negative 40 degrees outside you stay outside by your pump or they will let you know right so you stand there and you wait and if your windows are dirty then you walk around and you use that little scrapey squeegee thing and you clean your windows and then you put that back and the pump's done and you take it out of your gas tank you put the uh, pump back into the the machine you close up your gas tank you push receipt button you wait you pull your receipt out you put it in your pocket you get inside and you drive off Self-serve, right? We know this. Then the other option is full-serve. Full-serve is kind of a different experience because you pull up uh, into the gas station and somebody else comes out. And, and, and they say, what kind of gas would you like? And you tell them, and then you give them the card, and, and then he takes or she takes your card and puts it in the machine and hands it back, and then he or she takes the pump out of the, uh, the, the machine, and she or he takes the cap off your gas tank, and they put it into your gas tank and engage the handle, and they stand there in the negative 40 degrees temperature, whistling. <laughs> and maybe if your windows are dirty, they walk around and they clean your windows for you. Maybe they even pop your hood, and they check your oil, and they close it, and the gas is done pumping, and then they take the gas nozzle out of your gas tank, and they put it back in the machine and they close up your gas tank and they grab the receipt out of the machine and they hand you the receipt and you drive off. Full serve. Self-serve versus full serve. In my head, this is the perfect picture of the two religions that exist in our world. Full serve or self-serve. Self-serve are people who believe that somehow they can save themselves. By doing enough good, by following enough rules, by doing enough things, by being good enough, they can save themselves. And in self-serve religion, there are somewhere in the neighborhood between 18 and 4,200 ways to describe that. Different nuances and flavors and pictures, but at the end of the day, it's self-serve religion. Because at the end of the day, it's all about trying to save yourself. There's one exception, and that is what I believe, and what probably many of us in here believe, that that this Christian experience, Christianity, is the only religion that would be considered a full-serve religion. I have friends, they, they, they belong to a self-serve brand of religion. They go out uh, every weekend and, and they knock on doors and they talk to people at bus stops and they, 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 just, they just do all their stuff for the whole weekend because they believe that if they convert enough people to their flavor of self-serve religion that somehow that scores them points in heaven with God and that will get them to heaven. Self-serve religion. If, if uh, you ever have the opportunity to go to Israel with me someday, and I, I hope that's the case. Back in 1995, I went to Israel. I was trained as kind of like a tour guide over there, and, and some things didn't uh, work as awesome as that. I'd love to take you guys. And at some point, if we get to go to Israel together, I'm going to take you to a place called the Temple Mount. We're going to walk up these stairs together. Temple Mount is where the temple was built until it was destroyed. There's little chunks of it left, and you'll get to see some of that. But since then, um, the, the Arab population has built something on top of that called Dome of the Rock. And so if you get the opportunity to go to Israel with me, we're going to walk 
up these stairs together as we walk up the Dome of the Rock, and, and we're going to go through these two arches, and on one of these arches, there's a huge scale there. It's called the scale of souls. And, and my Muslim friends believe, honestly, that at the end of time, uh, every Muslim will stand under that scale of souls, and everything that they've done good will be put in one pan, and everything that they've done bad will be put in the other pan. And if the good stuff in this pan outweighs the bad stuff, then they have a shot, Allah willing, to get into heaven. But if the bad stuff outweighs the good stuff, then they are doomed. Self-serve religion. Self-serve religion, I think in my head, it's a little like, a little like ketchup. You know ketchup? Ketchup's an awesome product. Remember that was invented, like, seriously, praise God for I love ketchup. If you ever, if you hang out with me at a fast food restaurant, I'll pump like eight of those little cups, you know, full of it. I'll use all of it. I just eat it like a side dish. I just, I love ketchup. And, and Heinz, Heinz 57, you've heard Heinz 57 ketchup? The, kind of the legend on it is that they had 57 varieties, but there's some myth to that and some tr- truth to that. They have different varieties, but nowhere near 57. And I, I've had some of the different varieties of ketchup. I've had green ketchup and black ketchup and obviously red ketchup. And, and I've had spicy ketchup. And I've had ketchup in multiple countries at this point, just shy of a dozen different countries. Ketchup in all these different countries comes in packets. Didn't know what it said on the packet, but I'm squirting it out and eating it because it's red, you know, and hoping for the best. And so I've had ketchup all over the place. But at the end of the day, it's still just ketchup. I'm saying? Tastes a little different, look a little different, still just ketchup. And of the potentially 4,200 different varieties of self-serve religion, at the end of the day, it's still still ketchup. It's still a self-serve religion. And here's, here's the problem. Here's the problem. Right at the beginning of this sermon that Jesus preached, Jesus is almost saying, hey, you know, if, if you want to buy into self-serve religion, you want to do it all on your own, you want to save yourself, um, it's, almost like if, it's almost like him saying good luck. You know, because here's the standard in chapter 5, verse 48. This is the standard that Jesus says. If you're going to save yourself, here you go. He says, be perfect. <laughs> oh, boy. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. If you're going to save yourself, if you're going to buy into self-serve religion, then you've got to be perfect. God doesn't grade on a curve. There is no scale. It's not hoping that my good things outweigh my bad things. And I know if that's true, then I am doomed because I cannot be perfect. And you know that about yourself as well. You are a wonderful, lovely, nice, generous, awesome person. And so, so far from being perfect. And I'm an okay person, but very, very far from being perfect. Self-serve religion is doomed. I know a ton of people who believe that if they go to church every week, go to mosque, go to synagogue each week, that God will somehow look at them and that's going to save them. I know a bunch of people who believe if they give a lot of money to the church or the synagogue or the mosque, that that's going to buy their way into heaven. I know of people who believe strongly that if they strap dynamite to their chest and walk into a public place and detonate that dynamite, killing lots of innocent women and children, that somehow that act is going to somehow buy them entrance into their version of heaven. Self-serve religion. Last Easter, 
in Japan, actually happens most Easter's, but in Japan there was this group of people that believed, uh, well, what they did is they actually laid down on crosses and had people nail them literally into crosses because they believed that if they do it like Jesus did it, that that will buy them entrance into heaven. At the end of the day, it's self-serve religion. I know of people who think if they fast enough, pray enough, if they give up enough pleasure, have enough children, spend hours studying their holy books, volunteer for community service, go to confession, whatever their rules are for their particular brand of self-serve religion, if they keep those rules, that they can save themselves. And of all those types of religion, there is somewhere between 18 to 4,200 different varieties. It's interesting because, because when Jesus described these varieties, he talked about the broad road. And he said that the broad road that lots of people on, it leads to destruction. And it's interesting because that word destruction is the very same word that the author of Revelation uses when he describes the devil. He gives him a name. He calls him the destroyer. Destroyer, destruction. Same word. Almost as if the, the writer of Revelation is reminding us that, that these people who are on this road of self-serve religion that are aiming towards destruction, they are buying into the lie of the devil. What's the lie? That somehow you can save yourself. Somehow you can do it on your own. Self-serve religion. And, and then there's what I believe, and, and, and probably many, many of you as well, the idea of full-serve religion. It works like this. So there's no way in the world I can save myself. I cannot ever be good enough to be accepted by an absolutely, infinitely holy God. I cannot save myself. I pull into that gas station, and, and, and uh, the guy gets my card, and, and, and he takes my card and puts it into the machine, and he hands the card back, and then he, Jesus, takes the pump off the machine and opens my gas tank and puts the pump into my, my gas tank and engages the handle, and he, Jesus, stands there and waits for the gas to pump, and he, Jesus, walks around and cleans my windows, and he, Jesus, comes back when the gas is done and takes it out of my tank and closes up my gas tank and puts that pump nozzle back on the machine, and he, Jesus, pushes the button to get the receipt and hands it to me. Full serve religion, where we believe that Jesus did it all. Jesus paid it all. Full serve versus self serve. It's interesting because the Bible is the only religious book that talks about the concept of full serve religion because it's based on the idea that we cannot do it ourselves. Here's a few verses. You don't have to turn there. You're welcome to if you want to. We'll throw them up on the screen. Jeremiah 17:9. Basically this idea that our hearts are so deceitful and so wicked that they're beyond cure. In other words, my heart is so broken I cannot save myself. Try as hard as I can. I cannot be perfect. Romans 3:23 this idea that that all have sinned. Not just some, not just a couple. All have sinned and and we all fall so short of God. We fall so short of what he requires. Romans 5 says while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Full serve religion. While I was still a sinner, I wasn't cute, I wasn't funny, I wasn't anything. Christ died for me. Full serve religion. 1 John 1:9 says that if we claim that we're without sin, we call God a liar and we deceive ourselves. Only the Bible says that. That if we say that we're really not sinners, that we're really pretty good, we're, we're calling God a liar. And we're just wholly deceiving ourselves. Full serve religion. John 14, 6, Jesus is clear. He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. How do you get to the Father? It's only through Jesus. 
No other ways. Not 4,200, not 18, just one. Full serve religion. Acts 4.12 says salvation is found in no one else. No one else can save you. Nobody else can save you. I can't save you, you can't save me, and I certainly cannot save myself. No one else can save me except Jesus Christ. Full serve religion. So there's really only two religions in the world, self-serve and full-serve. Jesus is honest that there's many in the self-serve category. And and I I struggle with this a little bit because why is it we're so drawn to that? Because maybe right now some of you guys are thinking, oh yeah, you're talking about those people over there, those people that believe and worship on and wear. But but I'm, I'm talking about me sometimes. Because we're so drawn to self-serve religion. And I, and I often wonder why that is. And, and part of me thinks that, that, that it's somewhat due to the fact that at my core, I know how broken and messed up I am. And at your core, you know how broken and messed up you are. And so somewhere in our head, we get this idea that, man, if, if I could just do a little bit. If I could just, I'm just a little self-serve religion. We're just drawn to that because I think we know we're so messed up. In it. And, and somehow in our makeup, and I'm a, I'm a control freak, I'll just confess it right here. I, I like to be in control of things. Some of you are with me and, and you're resonating with this. And so self-serve religion feels like I'm in control. And, and full-serve religion, I give up so much control because I have to acknowledge that I cannot do it. I mean, honestly, I, I pull into a gas station, I can pump my own gas. I don't need that person to pump my gas. It feels kind of weird to me. A gas station, that's fine. When we talk about our eternal salvation and our souls, it's completely not fine. Two different religions, that's it. Full serve, self serve. <laughs> I want to end with a story because uh, this is where, where uh, Jesus ends this. It's in the book of uh, Luke, chapter 18. And, and I think this, this story that Jesus tells is a great is a great example of self-serve versus full-serve religion. Luke chapter 18, starting in verse 9. This is what Jesus says. Jesus says, uh, to, to some who are confident of their own righteousness and look down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Jesus says, two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee, and the other a tax collector. Can, can I just pause there for a second? I want to be sure we know who we're talking about. See, Pharisees back in the day, Pharisees were uh, the religious elite. These guys have been studying the Bible <clears throat> since they could read, since they could understand, since they could talk. They've been studying the Bible. And these guys were passionate about the Bible. Then they had the Old Testament. They were passionate about it. They had much of it memorized. Not only did they have much of it memorized, but they had people who wrote about the Old Testament back then. They had their stuff memorized as well. They could debate this stuff. They knew this stuff. They understood this stuff. They were so passionate about not breaking God's laws that they created rules to go around God's laws because they figured if we didn't break those rules then we won't break God's laws. Then they were concerned that they might break those rules so they made an outer fence of rules. They said if we don't break those rules we won't break these rules and we won't break God's laws because they were so concerned about not dishonoring God, not breaking God's laws, not ruining their relationship with God. 
Sometimes Pharisees get the really bad rap. We always make them out to be like the super bad guy. And certainly Jesus had dialogues and interactions and debates with the Pharisees. And very often they missed it and didn't get it. But at their heart, they really wanted to do it right. They had this goal to do it right. That phrase is super important. They wanted to do it right. And so they built this whole system and this whole culture and this whole life and they were well respected in their communities and Pharisees were sought out to be the guys that understood the spiritual life, understood God, understood life and what was supposed to happen. Pharisees were liked by the culture. They were respected. They were sought out. You got a Pharisee. On the other side, you got this tax collector. Tax collectors were the polar opposite. They were hated by the culture. See, tax collectors were very often uh, Jewish men who, um, who were working for Rome, and Rome was not loved by the Jews at all during this time. Rome was doing a number of things that were cruel and, and, and harsh and, uh, and, and, and worked against what the Jews wanted to see happen, and yet they were in the ruling power. And so these, these Jewish men would work for this Roman authority, and, and what they had to do was collect taxes. And part of the way they got paid was that they had to collect this much in tax, but anything they collected over it was theirs to keep. And whatever they said the full amount was had to be paid. And so these guys were seen, these tax collectors were seen as traitors. It's like, it's like my brother gouging me for cash. They were seen as traitors. They were seen as they rejected their heritage and their history and their people. They were seen as wicked and disgusting and horrible. And a lot of them were probably that, maybe some, I don't know. But the point being, they were just hated by the culture. And so you get these two men who walk into church, to the temple, and Jesus finishes this story in verse 11. He says, The Pharisee, he stood by himself, and he prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people. I'm not a robber. I'm not an evildoer. I'm not an adulterer. I'm not even like this tax collector over here. And I fast twice a week, and I give a tenth of all I have. Full-serve or self-serve religion? Self-serve. Verse 13. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He wouldn't even look up to heaven. He beat his breast and he said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I am so ruined. I don't even want to look. I can't even look you in the eye, God. I can't even look where we think you might exist. I can't even look in your general direction. I'm so messed up. Just have mercy on me. Full-serve or self-serve religion? Full-serve religion. This guy is, God, it's not about me. I need somebody to help me. Somebody's got to <laughs> pump the gas and clean the windows and give me the card. And Full-serve religion. This is how Jesus ends it. He says, I tell you that that man, rather than the Pharisee, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and all those who humble themselves will be exalted. Two religions only, self-serve, broad road, feeling like you've done enough before God. Full serve, narrow road, feeling like without Jesus, there's, there's no shot. There's no shot for me. And all six billion-ish people in the world are on one of these two religious roads. And all two, three hundred people that are in here this morning are on one of these two religious roads. And, and so the question as we finish our time together is which, which road are you on? Self-serve? I'm going to figure this out on my own. 
I can do enough things. If I just add another thing to the checklist, then, man, God will notice me. God will be good to me. God will accept me. Well, full serve. Uh, Certainly I have this relationship with Christ, and I'm going to live in ways that just show that I love him because I love him. I'm going to do things that show that I love him, but I don't do it out of obligation or fear. I mean, I'm a married guy. For my wife, when we got married, I love her, man, and, and I do stuff for her, not because I'm afraid of her or out of obligation or duty. I do things because I love her. Like, I, I don't try and prove my love by doing these things to her. I just love her, so I do these things. Right, married people? We, we kind of get this. In a relationship with Jesus, we love him. We're going to do some things that I'm going to do and some ways that I'm going to live, but I don't do it to try to get noticed or somehow earn him. I do it because I love him. So, yeah, I'm going to live in certain ways, but it's all about full-serve religion. So, again, the question is, which religious system are you pursuing? So, so here's how we're going to end this morning, and it, it might be a little awkward transition. That's okay, because I'm a student life pastor, so I'm all about awkward conversations and awkward transitions. But I want to pray for us. As you're still thinking and processing, I'm just going to pray for us. And then uh, as I do that, my friend Jeff Kimmy is going to come up. He's one of the elders here at North Point, because we do have to transition to just a little bit of family business for just a couple of minutes. be real quick. And, and he'll give a brief explanation of kind of what's happening again, and, and then we're going to do a vote. And then uh, as that's happening, the band will come out, and we'll kind of finish with a song. And I know that might feel a little awkward because it's like, wait a minute, like voting in church stuff, that's not worship. And I say absolutely it can be worship. You know, worship is about where our hearts are and what we're thinking about and who we're doing it for. And voting can be worship and, and, and church business meeting can be worship and prayer can be worship and singing can be worship and the Bible can be worship. And so we might be a little, might feel a little awkward. That's okay, right? But, but we are going to finish in worship this morning. I'm going to pray for us. Jeff's going to come up and the band will come out and then we'll be done for this morning. Let me, let me pray. Great God, thank you for uh, this morning and even just thinking through a little bit about um, the fact that I'm just convinced two religions, Jesus, it's so much easier to wrap my head around. It's not picking from a bunch of different options. It is truly, are we going to try to save ourselves or are we going to try to save, uh, allow you to save us? And, and I am thinking this morning of my friends who are buying into self-serve religion and the effort that takes and the heartache that brings and the ultimate conclusion on that road into destruction. God, I'm caught short by that reality. And I'm sad and I'm frustrated. Sometimes, Jesus, I don't, I don't know what to do other than pray for them. But God, I'm so thankful that you have revealed yourself to me, to us, in terms of full-serve religion, where you have paid it all. And we don't earn our way to you or earn our way through you, but, but Jesus, while we were still sinners, you died for me. And that's the reality that we live in. So God, help us this morning to figure that out somehow in our brains a bit. And as we go into our workplace tomorrow or to school or to the grocery store or to the football field or wherever we're going, God, that that these conversations will come up and we can confidently and honestly talk about just the two religions, lots of different flavors in self-serve. God, two ultimate religions, two ultimate roads and two ultimate ultimate destinations. So Jesus, in the next few minutes as we do some family stuff, God, but then as we finish out and some singing, God, I pray that you would continue to press into our hearts the reality of who you are, how much you've done for us because of your great love for us. I love you so much, Jesus. Amen.